This is the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Charger Basketball. I'm Matt Gall here with head coach Mark Sviguera. Coach, how you doing heading into the Thanksgiving week? Well, I tell you what, man, I'm doing good. It's uh, It's been a strange past week for us with no game. Uh, I know we talked about that last week, but, you know, gave us a chance to really practice, focus on ourselves. You know, sometimes you can get caught up in all the time preparing for the next game, preparing for the next game, and and you neglect what you do on a regular basis. And so it, it gave us a chance to get back to those basics a little bit. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I spent Wednesday night and, and yesterday afternoon watching all the other GPAC teams play. I'm ready to get back out there and, and get rolling again. Well, speaking of that, uh, we're actually privileged today to be joined uh, by the head coach of the Dort University Defenders, Brian Van Haften. And uh, Dort's who we have on the slate coming up on Tuesday night, the 24th at eight o'clock. Coach Van Haften, it's uh, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Coach, you know, I got to, I got to start this with a quick story and I know I've told you this before. Um, but the, I think our listeners need to know this. You know, when I first took over as head coach at Briarcliff three and a half years ago, whatever it was, I actually thought you didn't like me. Um, to, and a, a, a backstory on this, uh, Coach was the, the head coach at Buena Vista for a long time um, over in Storm Lake and had a ton of success there. And pretty much every year I had been at Briarcliff, we'd scrimmaged them early in, you know, maybe mid to, to late October. And that summer I, I hit him up and said, Coach, you know, let's keep this rolling. I think it was our turn to go to their place. Who knows? But uh, he, he texted me back and said he didn't want to do it anymore. And I thought, well, hell with this guy. He doesn't even like me. It's must've, he must have really liked Nick Nelson and, and to hell with Spaghera. <laughs> I know I have no I, I can't even remember why I said I didn't want to scrimmage you I, I really can't remember it had to be because you, the NAI level starts so much sooner uh, than the NCAA Division 3 level I felt like I didn't want to scrimmage after four days of practice which was usually the case yeah that that was absolutely the reasoning but uh, yeah you know I just I thought maybe that I, I had done something to, to irritate you at some point uh, yeah, I tell you what, that, there are many people that I don't like, so I can get along with just about everybody. And, you know, of course, Nick and I go way back, and, and uh, but Mark, I really enjoyed getting to know you, especially the last three or four years. And, uh, man, that, that's what it's about when we do our jobs, and, and I hope it's that way in other jobs, too. It's the friendships that you have and the people that, uh, that, are, that are around you. And sometimes it's difficult for a guy who's 55 years old uh, to actually have a whole bunch of uh, friends in this business anymore because most of the coaches are the younger than I am anymore. People aren't doing this anymore when they're 55 or 60. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Coach, just, uh, you know, I mentioned it already, but you were BV for quite a time there. And, you know, if I'm not mistaken, before that, you were a high school coach. But uh, mm-hmm. I do know that you played at Northwestern College and you now coach at Dort. What's that like? I know that's not a – you know, that's not a cozy rivalry right there. It's kind of heated, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little strange uh, for me. Um, you know, when I got the job, I mean, uh, just a, many of the halls in, uh, you know, I and some of my former roommates and teammates, we used to go to an Idle Hawkeye football game together. 
And so when I told those guys in March, I said, hey, guys, I'm going to be the next coach at Dort. I mean, I got question marks, uh, WTF. <laughs> I didn't get much. I didn't get much coming back of uh, uh, a really positive feedback from any of the guys. And, uh, um, you know, my roommate that I had for three years, Al Anderson, said, man, I thought I'd heard everything. Now I really have. And, you know, so it was uh, – a little strange uh, at, at first, and uh, but it's fine. I mean, Chris Corver and I get along just fine. I mean, I helped recruit Chris Corver to Northwestern. I was a senior in college, and he was a senior in high school. And, uh, you know, so I've known him for since he was 17, 18 years old. And, and uh, but so, I mean, we were pretty good with the same guys a lot and, and all that kind of thing. So it, it's, a, it's a little different for me. Uh, but it's so far removed that I don't really think about it that much anymore. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And I, I always joke, you know, I, I played at Dana College and then started coaching at Hastings at a pretty young age. And I, I joked with our players the first time we played at Dana that somebody needed to make sure I got to the right locker room uh, before the game. You're <laughs> yeah. right. You know, after, after yeah. some years pass, I think all that just uh, it's not that big of a deal anymore at all. Right. Yeah, it really isn't. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I, people I work with here at Dort and, uh, you know, I don't, I really don't know the Northwestern people that much anymore besides Chris. And, and uh, so it's, it's just fine. Coach, uh, you know, uh, Coach Figuera mentioned you had a successful run at BV, you know, just out of curiosity as a, a fan and as somebody who grew up in Northwest Iowa, you know, we're, we're lucky to be pretty saturated with good college basketball in this part of the state and in this part of the country. Um, you know, being part of, of a Division three program as part of the uh, Iowa Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, do you stay pretty cognizant of what's going on with the other programs uh, that are around? Um, you know, the NAIA programs that are around? Because I assume, you know, you're running into those programs all the time when you're out recruiting the same type of guys and those sorts of things. And especially with you having a history uh, with Northwestern, you know, did you find during your time at BV that you were keeping an eye on, on what was going on with those schools that were in the region, but not necessarily maybe part of uh, what you were doing competitive wise? That's a great question. I mean, I have to be honest with you, you know, my, my assistant is Kyle Lindbergh. And he was a great player for Dort. Graduated in 2014. And when I got offered the job at Dort, I had never heard of that. So no, I, I wasn't good. You know, you get involved in your own team and your own league, and you're not really thinking about anybody else. I pay attention to see how is Northwestern Dort, Brian Cliff, North, and Moisette, how those guys doing. But, man, I would very seldom even look at a box score to see who was playing. Um, you know, I, I probably looked I looked at the door box score, but I didn't realize that Lindbergh was a good player, you know, because um, I didn't know who that was. You know, he's from Florida. Um, now, if it was a Walter store, if I'd have a better chance to know who that is because I knew he was a good high school player in the area. And, uh, but, uh um, yeah, I pay attention, but, you know, you get involved with your own league and you just don't really have that much time to really pay attention that closely. You know, it's I funny, actually probably paid attention to Brian Clipmore because 
Uh, I recruited against Brian Cliff more than anybody else when I was at Unimist. I didn't recruit against Northwestern. Uh, we, we never got the Northwest Iowa kids. We recruited against Briar Cliff uh, more than we did Northwestern. Uh, and for sure, I don't know if I ever lost a guy to Dort or, or, or got a guy because he was going to go to Dort or whatever, you know. So, um, you know, it was so I had a, probably a better feel for what Briar Cliff had than some of the Northwestern or Dort. Yeah, that's true. We definitely uh, had some recruiting battles, um, at least in yeah. my time prior clip before you went to Dort. And, you know, it's funny you bring up Lindbergh because, you know, you said you didn't know who it was. And just FYI, Kyle was player of the year in the league, defensive player of the year in the league, and a first-team All-American. So he was pretty good. Yeah, he was. And, and a, matchup, a matchup nightmare to boot at 6'7 or whatever he is. He could play the point guard. He could play the five. Never knew how to guard him. And as a senior, right. he started making some threes occasionally. That was never really his game and made him pretty much impossible to guard at that point. Right. Right. Well, we're going to talk about our upcoming matchup this week here in a little bit. But I have to ask, because, uh, Coach, you and Coach Figuera share kind of a common experience. And I don't know how common this is in the coaching world. But, you know, you both took over programs whose immediately preceding head coaches stayed at the school in an administrative capacity. Um, of course, Nick Nelson was here at Briarcliff uh, for a few years, and then you've got Ross down up there at Dort as the AD. Do you ever just find, you know, sets drawn up that are just conveniently accidentally left on your desk, um, you know, after a game or before a big game or something like that? Or, or is, uh, is Coach Dalma pretty good at respecting those boundaries when he's in the office? Coach Dalma is great at uh, respecting boundaries. Uh, he, he told me up front, he says, I don't want anything to do with this. You know, and he's, he just wants to you know, be a fan and uh, watch the guys play. And uh, he, has, he has stayed out of it a lot. I've asked him a couple questions here and there, uh, but he has never given me any thought process on my team. Uh, now, he's evaluated me as a boss. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have a good relationship. Um, I, I'd be honest with you, I didn't know Ross very well before I got the job here. I mean, I know Ross was Northwestern also, uh, but Ross was after I was there, and so I only knew who he was. I never played again. I played against Dort when I was at Buena Vista uh, a few times, but it was always when Greg Gonzalez was the coach. I was never when Ross was the coach. So I really did not know Ross all that well. And uh, so it's been, it's been fun to be a uh, you know, partner up with him. And uh, he's been really good to me so far. Let's talk yeah, about... Ross is a great dude. No doubt about that. I always get a yeah, kick out of watching him on film. He stands over in the corner a lot of the times. And he had one in one of your – I think it was your game last Wednesday – you guys turned it over. It's kind of a silly turnover, and he just kind of threw his hands up in the air. You can tell it frustrated him. I got a kick yeah. out of it, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, he, he recruited some of these guys, right? Jesse Jansen with Ben Gasing. Um, you know, Dick Extra. You know, he recruited some of these guys. And so, uh, yeah, it does matter to him. I mean, sure. if he wants those guys to do well, kids and uh, the guys that he put a lot of time and effort into. And uh, Garrett Franken. I mean, Garrett was the first recruit that I had, but, but he knew Garrett since he was in eighth grade because he's 
played for him. So, um, all right, well, let's let's talk about this week uh, because we got Tuesday night, uh, the twenty fourth at eight p.m. Like I said, uh, both your programs will face off. Women will play at six, of course, that night. But uh, eight o'clock will be the men's game. Uh, Coach Van Haften, you guys are five and two, one and two in the G Pack. Uh, had a double overtime, uh, exciting game loss to uh, Dakota Wesleyan, and then uh, lost to Concordia. So you guys are looking to get back on track. Of course, Briarcliff's three and three, one and one in the G Pack. Went through a slump there where it was hard to find uh, points offensively, but got back on track a little bit uh, against Mount Marty. Uh, about a week ago. So I guess let's start with uh, you, Coach Figuera. You know, what have you seen with Dort so far this year? You've had some time over the last week to evaluate some film and and uh, not be consumed with other games, like we said, uh, with uh, a week off on the schedule. What's it going to take to mitigate some of the strengths? And what are some of the strengths with Dort that you're going to have to account for? Well, I mean, first of all, I think Dort's, Dort's a really good team. They're, they're big and long and physical. Um, you know, they got some guys that can really shoot it in. They can score it in a variety of ways. And, um, you know, there's certainly some, some matchup issues they present us with their size. But, uh, you know, it, it's honestly, we talk about it, as I feel like we say it every week, Matt, when you go on the road in this league, you, you dang well better be ready to go and dialed in, especially on the defensive end to start games. And, um you know, it's. I go back to a couple of years back. I think it might have been VH's first year at, at Dort. We played. Uh, we played two games in eight days. It was the last regular season game for us, and we won a really close game where we had a big second half comeback. And then a week later, they beat us in the first round of the conference tournament down at our place. And I think he and I joked about the entertainment value of the games we played. And I think that's kind of been the case every time we've played over the last few years. It's just, it's usually come down to it. Um, it's come down to maybe two, three plays late in the game, but it's, it's high intensity, high energy. Um, you know, in a normal year, big crowds and, and big energy from the crowds in the game. But I, I would expect nothing less. You know, it just seems like that's kind of how the games with us have gone, where it's, if you, if you got in on Tuesday night to get some of those online tickets, you're going to get your money's worth, be my guess. Coach Van Haften, same question for you. What have you seen with Briarcliff this year? Um, and, and what are some of the areas that you're going to have to have your guys key on um, in order to be successful? Yeah, I mean, the entertainment value will be through the roof. Uh, that's, uh, that's the part I enjoy uh, as much as anything is just the, the enjoyment of the games. Um, you know, they're typically going to be really good games. And, uh, you know, our Wednesday night game against Dakota West, it was no different, you know, high entertainment. Uh, for, for sure. Um, it's with them, we've had the same thing. Uh, with Briarcliff, uh, I've had a chance to see him a couple of times just because we played Bellevue. And uh, so I had a chance to watch a couple of their game tapes. I haven't watched them lately here. Oh, anyway, I saw him play against Dakota Wesleyan too on tape. Uh, but they pose a lot of a lot of trouble. You know, Mark's talked about size, how that's a big advantage for us or, or can be a big advantage for us. But the size is a big advantage on our end, too, because uh, these guys are might be a little bit quicker. Uh, they have the ability to shoot the, you know, they shoot the three whenever they have a chance to, to get one up. They do a, an awesome job with that. And uh, so our defense is going to have to be, just like Mark said, it's going to have to be top of the line. Uh, it's going to have to be, uh, be really good. Uh, we're going to have to 
have to be able to guard the arc, but you can't just give up easy twos either. And, and uh, you know, so, yeah, it's going to be one of those games where I think uh, I think the game will be in the 80s and 90s, and, and uh, I think it will be, uh, be a great basketball game. Yeah, I've had an okay. opportunity to I've had an opportunity to be at a number of games up at, at your place um, over the years. I, I went to Briarcliff. I didn't play basketball uh, as a fan. I made that trip many a time, um, and that was always one of those road games that I would try to get to, just because the atmosphere is is so big time. I mean, that gym's always full. Again, in a normal year, I don't know what your protocols are this year, but uh, speaking in terms of your your average year. Uh, going up to Dort in order to to watch a game, you know, you're going to get a packed gym. You know, it's going to be a loud gym. You know that your students are going to be right on top of our guys in that corner. Um, and they're going to make things difficult even during warmups. I mean, that's, that's what basketball is all about to me. Um, and so it's, it's a great game. And of course it gets frustrating when you're on the other side of that. And we've had some losses there and we've had some good wins there too, but it's just, it seems like that's always a, a great game and a great atmosphere as a spectator. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things I found out very quickly about Dort when I when I first took the job here a couple of years ago. Just I mean how uh, how big of a deal it is for uh, for our fans. Uh, we have a lot of people who are invested completely into the program, and, and that's what makes it special. It really does, and and therefore when we face teams like Briarcliff and Morningside, Northwestern, Dakota Wesleyan, and especially those teams that they're familiar with. I mean, they, they are, that's a big deal to them. And uh, they're all trying to figure out how they can get a ticket for, the, for this game or that game. And, and uh, it's no different for this one here too. Yeah, and fun fact, uh, DeWitt Gymnasium is one of two places that I've been called an idiot by fans sitting behind our bench. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure there was an adjective in front of it too, but we're not going to, we're not going to yes. release that on the podcast, but it's, you know what, it's fun to play up at, at Dort because of the crowd. And, um, you know, we generally in a normal year have a big following up there as well. And it's just, it's a really fun venue to play basketball. And I think Dort's like the only place left in college basketball that has square backboards, the old school kind. I don't know if that's actually, actually might be right. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, my one of my favorite memories of playing in Dort is, uh, and let me think if I can think of the year. I'm pretty sure I got the year. It's 2003. Uh, we're at, at Univista, and we have a transfer in from UNO by the name of Eric Weavers. Stud. And Eric Weavers is really good. And so he, he played football, too. He was a quarterback in the football team, and then he uh, – he was playing. It was like the first game that he played ever at Dort. I mean, he was one of those guys that maintenance people would come in to watch practice because they wanted to see what the Derek Weavers was like. So anyway, we go up to Dort, and it's a it's a, it's a really good game. And they get a steal. And Eric Weavers going to the basket. He gets tripped by an official as a making a call. It's about seven seconds left. The game is tied. And they go down to the other end of the floor, a guy's going in for a wide-open layup with a buzzer. Their five-man trails him from behind and just hammers him at the buzzer. And the guy goes up and misses both free throws. And uh, we ended up winning in overtime. It was like one of those things. Was like, I mean, he's standing there all by himself. The crowd is – it's a packed house. 
is at that point universally bring a whole bunch of people to them. And uh, the bench were on the other side of the floor at that time, Mark. And uh, yeah, I remember. That. I remember. I remember that our our radio guy was standing right was sitting right next to me at the bench doing the play by play. And so I'm about five feet from Greg Manzolan ready to go shake his hand because, you know, this was over, right? I mean, there's no doubt he got fouled. There's no, nothing to complain about except for the fact that, you know, maybe the official swallowed his whistle on the other end. But, yeah, it's, that's debatable. We always think they do in, in most moments as coaches. But uh, um, And he missed the first one. And he missed the second one. And all I can hear is our radio guy just going crazy. He missed it. And we ended up winning the game. And uh, and so there's always been some funky games uh, when it comes to toward basketball. And well, we, we had it a couple of years ago, too, playing Doan, hit a shot at the buzzer. And, and uh, those are the games that are a lot of fun. And, and uh, But uh, anyway, yeah, it's, uh, Dord basketball has is, is got a great following. And uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to, to be a coach here and to be a player here, for sure. Yeah, hey, here's an interesting Briarcliff uh, factoid about DeWitt Gymnasium. Uh, Ron Schultz once got ejected from DeWitt Gymnasium. <laughs> Man, I wish I could have been there to see that. What year yeah, was that, Mark? I, I couldn't tell you the year, and, and Coach Schultz might know, but I know it was back in you know late 70s, early 80s, when Briarcliff okay. had some things rolling with some of the Panamanians. And Coach Schultz got a technical for arguing a call. And uh, – they were going to shoot the free throw and he walked out onto the floor to keep arguing with the official and the official, this isn't a JV game, mind you. And it was back when okay. JV played before the varsity. So, you know, their varsity okay. team and coach Naki, they're all in the locker room getting ready because it's late in the game. And so he gets one technical walks out to, to keep protesting with the official and the official goes to put his whistle in his mouth to give him a second technical and Ron knocks the whistle out of his hand. <laughs> so, oh that is awesome that and I, know is awesome. Coach, I know coach schultz listens to this podcast he's probably gonna be pissed at me for telling that story but it's a great one and it's you know it's kind of funny i think coach schultz may have been a little more uh fiery and hot-headed back in those days rather than the, sure. the calm cool and collected guy you've seen the last few years on the sideline right right yeah yeah, Ron's a great man. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know him well over the years. I've got to know him a little bit better now the last couple of years just because, you know, we play against you guys a couple times a year. And, uh, yeah, he's a great asset for you. Yep, no doubt. Um, so, yeah. Coach, one of the things I wanted to talk about um, is you, you have a pretty impressive coaching tree um, of either former players or guys that coached for you. And I know um, – one that stands out right now is, is Nate Bjorkman, the, the new head coach of the Indiana Pacers, is a former player of yours, correct? Correct, yes. And, and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, did he play for you in high school and college or just at BB? Just at BB. Uh, okay. He went to Storm Lake. I was the head coach of Storm Lake St. Mary's in the early 90s, and uh -huh. he was playing for Storm Lake High School. So he played for public school. I was at the Catholic school. Okay. So I always do it. And then my uh, um, my second year as assistant there, he transferred in from USD. And uh, then he played for three years at Buena Vista. And then I got the head coach's junior year. So my first two years, he was uh, he was one of the point guards on our team. Yeah, he, he's – man, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. What a story his story is. Because 
that asked me about the mid 2000s, I'm going to say it's about 2006 or seven, somewhere in that range, maybe 2005. He had asked me to come down uh, to Arizona and speak at the Arizona High School Coaches Association. And so I did that. It's about the middle of October. He, he says to me, he goes, you know, coach, I think this might be my last year as a high school coach. I said, well, I said, what are you talking about? And I, he said, I'm, I really want to move this up a little bit. I want to coach college. I want to coach the best players. He goes, I can play. I'm coaching a bunch of guys that don't really care. And I said, well, all right. So, I mean, he volunteered for the Iowa Energy. And, uh, you know, him and Nick Nurse is a great story. I mean, it just truly is. So those two guys together is a great story because most don't make it. You know, Nate was just fired three years ago, you know, as an assistant coach of the Phoenix Suns. And uh, after three games of the regular season, they started out 0-3, and he and uh, Earl Watts was the head coach, and he got fired, and the whole staff was let go. And, uh, you know, once you know it, three years later, he's the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. And, uh, you know, just because of, you know, winning that championship with the Raptors, uh, with him and Nick Nurse, uh, you know, together uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, you see it more and more, I think, in the NBA now. Is yeah. Guys that never yeah. never played in the NBA and just kind of worked their way up. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he lived in six different cities in six years. I mean, his wife is awesome because most wives would not do what he did. You know, she just wanted to move wherever. I mean, he went to Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, Santa Cruz, uh, Bakersfield, California, back to Des Moines, somewhere else, then back to Des Moines. I mean, it was just like, it's just everywhere. And uh, she put it all together. And uh, so it's been, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, this is completely off topic, maybe like a full 180. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot for two questions real quick, Coach. Yep, please. Just, just answer as fast as you can. Who's better yeah. – who, who's more well-dressed on the sideline, me or you? Me. Okay. Who, who, who has better hair, me or you? Definitely you. You're a beautiful <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, Gary, says you have great hair. I don't. I have no hair, although it's better that way. You know, I, I text uh, I text Coach uh, last Thursday. You know, they had, they had lost a, a tough one at home and double overtime on Wednesday. And he was wearing a phenomenal suit on the sideline. Kind of a – it was almost kind of a Briar Cliff blue. I was jealous the whole game. I was watching it in my basement. And I'm just sitting there. Like, I'm looking up on Men's Warehouse. Can I get one of these? This is a pretty dope suit. And so I had, I had to text him about it. And they also ran a – absolutely ridiculous full court out of bounds play to send the game into double overtime. So I had to congratulate him on that too. But, uh, you know, coach, you're, you're underestimating your hair because <laughs> on, in the, in the history of the BC buckets podcast, there's only been two GPAC head coaches that have made an appearance and it's you and Matt Wilbur. So I think, you know, the prerequisite right now is you've got to be bald. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good because, you know, you don't ever want to get anyone in there who's got better hair than you, right? Well, it's going to be so hard to do, important. but you're right. So, yeah, that's right. DH, you got anything else you want to add? Anything you want to talk about? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, just I don't know if this brings about any questions, but I just I think it's the older I get, I've done this. This is my 25th year as a head college basketball coach, and uh, you know, I I probably cherish it a little bit more the older I get. You know, it's um, I kind of keep track of how many games I've coached, uh, and just kind of try to keep that in mind once in a while just to say, hey, man, I've been so fortunate. Uh, the good Lord has, has been so good to me uh, when, it, when it comes to being able to do this for a long time. Um, and I didn't do it pretty well, too. I mean, well, we've had good teams uh, just about every year. We've had, you know, had, had a really good team uh, most of the time anyway. And uh, um, so it's just been fun. I've, I've coached 672 college games now. And uh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed them all. And but the losses get harder. And that's what Todd Barry always told me. You know, back his biggest problem was when he was a, a college coach of Briarcliff. When he came back, he says, you know, when he told me he retired at sixty, he says, you know, it was just a point where their losses just got tougher for me. And uh, so I'm still trying to figure out how I can get to the point where losses aren't that hard on me. And we just keep going one day at a time and enjoy the process. Have you figured that out yet, Mark? Uh, no. And I think if any coach does, they should probably write a book and give everybody right. that solution. And, and that person would be a millionaire at a minimum. Right. But, uh, you know, and I, I tell you what, I think it's, it's come into focus more this year where, you know, I think as coaches, we're all hyper competitive to a fault. Um, yep. And that's part of the reason we do what we do. But I also think this year um, with a lot of uncertainty of whether we were even going to play or not. And now that we are, I think you take it a little less for granted, you know, just the fact that you get to play and win or lose. And, and absolutely, you know, we're coming up the door to try to win a game Tuesday night, just like you are. But I just keep telling our guys, let, let's take advantage of every opportunity. Let's have some fun with it because there's no guarantee that there's going to be a next game. We just don't know in the current climate. And, you know, hopefully we can keep this thing rolling because it, you know, at least in our league, it's gone fairly well so far, but it's just, sometimes you got to sit back and remind yourself how lucky we are as coaches to do what we get to do every single day. And, um, you know, I, I know I shoot, I talk to this, I talk about this with recruits, you know, best part of this job is, is not necessarily just winning basketball games. It's, randomly getting a phone call from a former player or a text or, you know, stuff like that. It's the relationships you build and, you know, you've got a few years on me, so you've got a lot more of that, but I, I, I would imagine you'd agree with that too. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, I've introduced 117 players and student coaches on senior night. And, uh, you know, that's pretty special. I try to, I try to stay in touch with almost all of them. Um, I have not, I don't accomplish all of them. Uh, but I, I try to be in contact with each of them once a year if I can, one way or another, whether it be just a text, a uh, direct message on Twitter, uh, whatever it may be. And uh, that, that is the special part of it. Um, yeah, what's interesting is, and this is kind of the crux of the whole matter, is that um, when we were at Buena Vista, especially from 2000 to 2009, I mean, we were awesome. Well, our teams were really good. We had we had the best two guards in the league. We had we had great post players, all that kind of stuff. 
And I don't know if you have the same relationships with those players if you don't win. You know, I mean, you, there's got to be some kind of a trust level. You say, man, yeah, you got a lot of respect. But if you didn't have a good experience, man, you're not going to stay in contact. And so that, that's the thing. You know, we, I, I don't care for win every game, but I want to win some so that we can feel good about our experience. You know, and that's, I mean, that's, that's the crux of the matter, really. Yeah, I agree with that 100% too. Yeah. So you guys, you just mentioned this, and I, I knew this. You know, I was in college, I guess in the mid-2000s, and, and had some, you know, people I knew at Buena Vista, whether it was friends or friends or friends of mine, and you guys really had it rolling. What, what was the best team you had there? What year was your best team there? Oh, it would be probably be 2003. Um, the, the three best teams that were 2000, 03, and 08, and probably even 09. And 05 was really good. Yeah, so just some different teams along the way. But 03 was really good. How about this stat? On that season, of our missed shots, we got 46% of our offense of our missed shots were offensive rebounds. Coach, that's unbelievable. It's unbelievable because I haven't, I haven't been in the forties in any other year. And like your, your uh, team so, that year was so far advanced and ahead of its time from an analytics standpoint. It's stupid. Yeah. That's I mean, unbelievable. Just, we, were, we were so good inside. And, you know, the thing about it is, is we, we played, we got to the national tournament, won our first game by 30. Then we played at Rockford College uh, two days later on the road, seven hours away, and they were undefeated. And the place was packed. And they had a bunch of little guys who could just shoot it and drive it. And we were big. And both of our fours and fives had double doubles. And we won by about 12 points. And we had a good crowd. And then we played at home by the Occidental from California. They flew out. Occidental would not have been in the top three in our league. And we lost to them. And it was just like, it was the worst game we could possibly. We made Eric Weavers made two threes to start the game. And we went two for 21 from the arc. Wow. And it was just awful. I mean, it was just that. A terrible feeling because we had a chance to win the whole thing. I mean, we were that good. And so it was just such a frustrating deal to go in there and play our worst game of the year in front of 3,500 fans. You know, it was just, it really, man, it was a kick to the teeth. And so that's, and in way we lost in overtime at Washington University in St. Louis, and they went on to win the last three games of the national tournament by, by over 10 points. So those two seasons, we had a chance to be national champs. It just didn't quite work out. But we were big, strong, and we always had a, the best two guard. And, you know, it's funny how that works out, right, Mark? I mean, if yeah. you got yourself a good two guard, you got yourself a good wing player, and this is it's a good gig. So yep. that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Coach, it, it was a pleasure having you on, um, and we always appreciate when folks from uh, other GPAC schools, again, you're the, only the second head coach, but we've had other folks who are alumni and, and whatnot uh, come on the podcast, and we appreciate you coming behind enemy lines here. I guess my last question for you is when Coach asked you to come on the BC Buckets podcast, what was your first reaction? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, like, like I said earlier, I really enjoy uh, Mark and I have, have a great relationship. We actually talked a little bit about it last year and uh, just didn't quite work out. But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is good if people like to listen to uh, well, two coaches think of each other a little bit, uh, talk about the old times. Um, all those kinds of things are, are fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate Mark. Mark and I both uh, enjoy restaurants, and uh, we both enjoy uh, – setting the games together and watching games and uh, being able to, you know, just talk openly about players, other teams. And uh, that's special because it doesn't happen that often uh, within coaching because everyone's trying to hold stuff back for everybody else. And there really aren't that many secrets. So it's uh, you just give it your best and see what happens. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Yep, Coach, it was great having you. Uh, looking forward to seeing you Tuesday night. And uh, tell Ross I'm expecting the chairs to be set up perfectly for us. He'll get the joke. Okay, you got it, brother. Oh. All right, Coach, we'll see you Tuesday night. Okay, sounds good. Take care. All right, Coach, we'll, uh, we'll continue on here with our regularly scheduled segments. But before we do, one thing we have to touch on, we had a follow-up comment on Twitter come in at us. Um, you know, we had Bobby Beach Patterson on the podcast last week, and I asked him a, a very, I guess, simple question, uh, but he came up with a controversial answer. I asked him in a rapid-fire question, uh, Newman Flanagan Center or Corn Palace, and I guess that's an open-ended interpretation, but he went with Corn Palace largely because uh, he had a fairly successful high school career in that building, or at least that's what he would say. Well, his wife, Courtney Beach Patterson, actually hit us up on Twitter, uh, and she thought that that comment was pretty controversial, and I think it might have landed Bobby in the doghouse a little bit, but she said, can we please talk about how Bob chose the Corn Palace over the Newman Flanagan Center because high school, Bob, high school chunk Bob, that's what she called him, scored a few points and likes the smell of popcorn. So I think we owe it to Courtney as a Briarcliff alum and as part of the Briarcliff uh, basketball family now through marriage. Uh, I think we owe her a response. I mean, what do you, what do you want to say in terms of now that Bobby's not here and we don't have to really hold back, what do you want to say about Bobby putting the Corn Palace before, you know, his home gym? Well, first of all, I think you, you know, when you're when you work for an institution, you probably need to go with uh, with that institution and a question like that. So I, I don't fault Bobby for for picking the Corn Palace. Um, I question his thought of the popcorn smell. Um, I think Jared Betts would tell you that that's not one of the better popcorn smells mm -hmm. in the G Pack. Um, and you know, on top of that, I, I guess I got more kick out of her calling him high school chunk Bob. <laughs> because I, uh, as I understand, Bobby was in a little better shape um, in college than he was in high school. So that I got a chuckle out of that. We'll leave it there. You know, I, I agree. I give ben, Bobby the benefit of the doubt. He's got to do what he's got to do to get that paycheck. But, you know, I think if we ask him that question 10 years from now, if he's on doing something else, uh, he might have a different answer. So I don't know that he was fully being honest, but he was doing the political thing and you got to respect that. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on then to our starting five. And this was a starting five that was sent in by a listener. A listener we talk about a lot, former guest, and that's Jay Wright. And we've talked about your love for Seinfeld on the podcast before. And uh, Jay 
also seems to be a big fan. And so he was curious about what your starting five for Seinfeld episodes would be. So, you know, he also submitted his, uh, if you want me to read his off and then you can kind of evaluate that or uh, you could do yours first either way. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it that way. I'm going to do mine first, Matt. And, okay. you know, Jay's a former guest. I think we might need to have Jay as a future guest too. Um, he's got some some hot takes, some controversial takes, some good uh, discussion and debate points, I think. So don't be shocked if he's on here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, so this, this is a great starting five topic. It's really, really hard to narrow down to five episodes of the greatest show in the history of television. Um, but here we go. Those, there's probably a couple controversial ones on here to, to diehard Seinfeld fans. I'm not going to label them. I'm not going to go in any particular order. These are just the first five that really came to mind as iconic. Number one, the Chinese restaurant. The basic premise is George and Elaine and Jerry are waiting to get a table in a Chinese restaurant the entire episode. Hilarious. Um, number two, the calzone. George has to start eating lunch with George Steinbrenner every day because he gets the calzone from Paisano's. Well, then George gets kicked out of Paisano's because he gets caught taking his tip out of the tip jar to put it back in because he wanted the, the server to see him tip. And so it turns into a comedy of errors of other people having to pick up calzones for, for George and George Steinbrenner. Uh, number three, the strike, or as I call it, the Festivus episode. George's dad, Frank, created a holiday called Festivus for the Rest of Us. Great episode. Uh, number four, the soup Nazi. Just, it's just hilarious. The whole thing, it makes me laugh every single time. And number one, this is the one that stands out. It's my all-time favorite episode. Um, it's the Magic Loogie. And the basic premise is uh, former baseball star Keith Hernandez is a guest star for a couple episodes. And he goes on a couple dates with Elaine. Jerry's got kind of a man crush on him. Um, and Kramer and Newman have this conspiracy theory that Keith Hernandez spit on them after a Mets game in like 1986. And as they go through it, it has striking parallels to JFK assassination conspiracy theories. They're talking about a second spitter on the gravelly road. Um, there's, there's all kinds of questions about motives and, you know, how could his, how could his head go back into the left if the, if the loogie came from behind and obviously, you know, as we record this today, it is November 22nd, which is, you know, the anniversary of, of that assassination, but that, that is my all time favorite episode. So there's my starting five Seinfeld episodes. And I'm really excited to hear, to hear Jay's. Yeah. And he's got a few parallels before we do that. You know, I've told you I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if I go as far as casual fan. It's just, it's one of those shows I watch if it's on but I've never sat down and seen every episode. So I have to ask you, is that, is that a weakness of mine or is there some envy there that I could sit down and, and live the Seinfeld, uh, you know, whatever, 10 seasons, whatever, however long it was on, I could live that with fresh eyes that I've never seen before uh, and experience all that. Um, I think, time. you know, for somebody our age, Matt, I think it's actually pretty embarrassing that <laughs> you describe yourself that way when it comes to Seinfeld. All right. Well, we'll see. I get to live all that for the very first time though. So maybe one of these days I'll experience that, but let's talk about Jay. Uh, and he had three of the same, but he did put his um, with position. So he, he wanted a strong point guard. 
And so uh, he put the contest as his point guard. If you're going to watch this. Yeah, that, that, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty standard. Uh, I think if you would Google search best Seinfeld episodes, I bet most people would say that's the best one. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You know, he, he said this is the episode you have to watch if, if you're going to start somebody on watching Seinfeld. So it has all the tools to make the other episodes great. So that's why he has it as his point. Uh, like you normally do, then he goes to his uh, post. So I'm going to start with, or I'm going to go to his five man here. And he's got the magic loogie. Uh, it involves Newman, a literal postman, and the recreation of the JFK assassination with the loogie is brilliant. So he's right with you on that. Uh, at his two guard, he's got the soup Nazi episode. It's always on, striking fear into people, just how he wants his two man to be, a la MJ. Uh, and then he's got the roommate switch at a wing. And then at his other wing, he's got Festivus. Uh, he needs some anger in his foreman. So this is a no brainer. So how do you feel about that lineup? Oh, I think it's uh, it's going to be a heck of a game when our two teams go up against each other. It's coming down to the wire, like a, a Briarcliff door game. All right, there you go. Well, Jay, we appreciate the, the uh, suggestion for the starting five. I uh, will remind everybody, if you have ideas for starting fives or if you have some rapid fires or just other questions, comments, anything that you want to send into the podcast, make sure you get those in. There's a couple ways you can do that. You can send them to us on Twitter at BC Buckets or via email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, if you know me or know coach and uh, you want to shoot us a text or something like that, that's another way to get those into us. So a couple of things here before we wrap up. Of course, we got to go to Coach's Life Rule. So, Mark, what do you have for us this week? Um, yeah, so this, this week's Life Rule, Matt, you know, it, I'm going to be more specific on an overriding Life Rule. But, you know, the Life Rule is do your work early. And that pertains to right now because it's Thanksgiving this, this coming Thursday. And if you need stuff for Thanksgiving, whether it's food, whatever it is, do it today, do it tomorrow. Don't wait till Wednesday afternoon, Thursday morning. You're running the risk of things being out at the store. It's going to be a zoo there. Um, just get that stuff done. You know, I think I'm done, ready to roll already. So that's it. Just do your work early. Be, be proactive. I think that's a great life rule. You know, as you talk about that, I think about just how stressful Wednesday afternoon before Thanksgiving can be for people and why exacerbate that by creating to the being out there and clogging up roads and clogging up store aisles and, and all that. Maybe it'll be a little different this year during COVID, um, but no. Yep. And, and, and honestly, that, that's kind of a stolen life rule. You know, former boss of mine, Lance Creech, he always said, uh, plan your week on Sunday and plan your day the night before. It's kind of, kind of going right along with his life rule there. So shout out Coach Creech. All right. Well, that's a great lead in because uh, we are going to do shout outs now. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started with one. Uh, not as much a shout out as it is just uh, want to send our condolences to the family of Betty Farmer. Uh, Betty worked at Briarcliff for a long time down in the mailroom as part of the uh, admissions team. Found out that she passed away over the weekend. So um, she was, if you've gotten a flyer or a postcard or any kind of marketing materials from Briarcliff, like in the last 15 to 20 years that came from Betty's office. So she was a huge part of my experience at the cliff. I worked for her uh, as a work study student during a couple of summers. Uh, she was just a, a great lady, great person, huge fan of the program. You always see her at Briarcliff games, sitting in the 
admin faculty area. So just a, a huge loss um, for the Briarcliff community. And so, you know, thoughts and prayers, obviously, with everyone who uh, worked with her, obviously everyone in her family, anyone that knew Betty knew she was, uh, you know, she was just a great person. So condolences to, to the farmers and everyone else. Yep, great 100%, Matt. Great person and a, and a huge basketball fan. Um, so for me, I've got two shout outs today. Um, I, I seem to not limit myself to one very often. But uh, number one, as we record this on Sunday the 22nd, it's Coach Forbes' birthday. So we got to give a, a birthday shout out to Coach Forbes. He's sitting across the office from me right now. Um, and then number two, uh, not to diminish Coach's birthday, but you know the bigger one is huge shout out to Briarcliff Women's Soccer. First ever GPAC championship yesterday. Awesome game. Uh, my wife and I had a chance to come up and watch it. They won two to one against Morningside to, to clinch the outright conference championship. Um, should be a no brainer that former podcast guest Paul Cox is the coach of the year in the league. Um, just he's done an unbelievable job, you know, in his third year now going from, you know, middle of the pack team to, to conference champions. So congrats to all the players, coaches, and, and, and everybody involved in the programs. That's pretty awesome. And it's, it's really hard to win a conference championship. Well, there you go. Well, just a quick reminder, Briarcliff has one game this week. It'll be Tuesday night, uh, the 24th, up at Dort in Sioux Center, Iowa. The women will play at 6 o'clock and the men will play at 8. Uh, I don't know, Coach, do you know what they're doing in terms of uh, fans allowed into the building, restrictions, anything? Yeah, it's uh, sold out already, Matt. So they, uh, they are at pretty limited capacity, and they gave us uh, – I think we got 50 tickets between our men's and women's program. So I, our parents scooped up a lot of those. So at least we can have some parents at the game, but it's, uh, you know, every, every week it's going to be a little different in terms of where we're playing and what the protocol is. And, you know, like I said earlier, we're lucky that we're playing. We're fortunate that we get to play. And, you know, if we can have a few fans there cheering us on, that, that's kind of gravy on top. So make sure to check that game out online then. Uh, again, women will play at six, men will play at eight, 24. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap things up for this week. Of course, we want to wish everybody who listens to this a, a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe uh, over this holiday break, both in terms of if you're traveling or if you're going to be around other folks, make sure to, to do the right things to stay safe and healthy. So with that, we will talk to you next week.